If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. Man, what a, what a privilege and an honor it is to be here with you and uh, One Cause Church. I'm really, really blessed and honored to be here and I always feel like this is part of an extended family for me and, uh, and I, I, uh, I'm, I'm really honored to be here. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing as a pastor, it's a difficult thing to turn your pulpit over to somebody else. And it's always, it's always challenging uh, to release that part of your life and your ministry. And, and I'm just, so I, I take great honor. Even though it's my brother, in this environment, he's more than that. Yeah. Uh, he's the pastor and leader of this house. Yeah. And, and it, it means a lot to me for him to give me the opportunity to be here. Uh, I am Brandon Holler, as you heard on the video. Last time I checked, I was uh, almost 40 years old, had no work done. Um, <laughs> you ever look in the mirror? I, I've reached a point in my life where I, I look in the mirror and I go, "If I were gonna have, what would I do?" No, uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, I have the, the. I'm so blessed in my life. I have an incredible, incredible wife. Her name is Jennifer, and God blessed me with her, and then through her, blessed us with four uh, outstanding children. And uh, I, I'm blessed to have married a Latina. Any Latinas in the house? Come on, you can get louder than that. La Raza, come on. Any All right. um, uh, she, she's, she's from eight. Her, she's the youngest of eight kids, and we're three, so we just kind of said four is a good number. And we stopped there. And uh, it's four is a good number, right? Yes, four is a good number, yeah. And, uh, but uh, we have our kids. Our oldest one just turned 16, My relationship with Jesus just got a lot stronger. My prayer life went up. <laughs> uh, and we pastor an amazing church called Life Unlimited Church. We are a multi-campus church. We have uh, a location in Austin or South Austin and, uh, and a location in Lockhart, Texas, which is the barbecue capital of Texas. And uh, it's pretty fantastic barbecue. If you ever make your, your way down there, you need to stop in Lockhart and have some barbecue. There's 12,000 people in Lockhart and four barbecue places. You drive into town, it smells like barbecue. It, it, it's a great place to, to visit. And if you go into a place called Kreitz, I would recommend Kreitz or Smitty's or Chisholm Trail. Chisholm Trail, Chisholm Trail makes a chopped beef sandwich. It'll it just make you, oh. It, I mean, you, you feel like as you're eating it, like you, you're, yeah, wow. You know, people talk about don't eat too much fatty stuff because it clogs your arteries. To me, it just lubes it up and makes stuff flow a lot faster, man. It's just, that's what I want. And, uh, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, but uh, if, if you hear about a place called Blacks, stay away from Blacks. Don't tell Blacks I said that, but just stay away from Blacks. Uh, but in, in Christ, you walk into Christ, there's a big, huge display in it. It's, a, it's a, actually a uh, decree issued by the 176th District of the House of Representatives for the state of Texas that declares bar, uh, Lockhart as the barbecue capital of Texas. So I don't know what kind of barbecue you eat around here, but it ain't the right stuff. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I'm blessed. And I'm blessed to have my friend Corey here. Corey, stand up, let everybody see. This is Corey Kinesny, my buddy. And uh, Corey has a, has, a, has a pretty spectacular wife himself. Her name is Joya, great piano player, great worshiper. And now, as of three months ago, Corey is a new daddy. Uh, Summer Joy showed up and changed your life, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. So y'all pray for Corey. 
When, when the oldest one is the daughter, I mean, it's just like, <sighs> it's rough on dads. I'll tell you, it's rough on dads. And, uh, and, uh, and, and let me just say, let me just point out here, this dude over here has got it. Is this the guy right here? I, I don't recognize you without the, you, Mr. Clean, is it? <laughs> I just love, he was in it, man. He was in it. That's, that's, what, that's what I like to see, just in it, yeah. Yeah. And if you're going to be up here, you might as well give it your all, right, Candace? I mean, we're not up here to play around. We're here to give everything we got to Jesus. And, uh, and so thanks for doing that, man. That was awesome. That was awesome. I, I, I'm worshiping Jesus the whole time looking at you. <laughs> Praise you, Jesus. Dude, that guy's cool. <laughs> all right, well, I, I, got some, I got some great things I want to share with you today. Did you come expecting for your life to be changed by the Word of God? Listen, listen, that's really what this is about. We don't come to church just to play church. We don't come to church for, for some club meeting. We come to encounter the Holy Spirit. We come to encounter a word from God that changes us forever. Did you come expecting that? I hope you did because I, that the word of God, the Bible says, the word of God was preached in the book of Hebrews. The Bible says that the, the word of God was preached to all of us, but for some it profited nothing because they didn't mix it with faith. When you hear the word, it's not about just hearing the word. It's about hearing the word and believing what the word says. And I hope you came expecting to, to hear the word and to believe it. But before I get to my main, my main topic today, I want to just take a minute. I want to share a thought with you. And this is going to sound like I'm puffing up my brother, but I, it's not that. I want to tell you the truth. I want, I want this church blessed. I want the church moving forward. How many of you want that? I want that for my brother. I know it is. I know it's growing. I know it's moving forward and it's exciting uh, uh, for you and, and for for, uh, for your pastor. But there's, there's a great verse of scripture in, in Acts chapter 16, and it's talking about the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul is traveling with a group of guys, uh, Paul and Silas. You all uh, know when Paul was with Silas and they were in prison. I mean, these are the guys that sing and earthquakes happen yeah. and they get out of prison. I mean, these are some, these are some, some tough dudes. You know what I mean? I mean they're, they're just some spiritual guys. And, uh, and then, then along with him is a guy named Luke who's actually writing the book of Acts. And Luke, Luke wrote the gospel of Luke, which many believe, scholars believe, is actually Mary's account, the mother of Jesus, Mary's account, and Luke just documented it. She told him the story, and he wrote it down. Because Luke, from everything we can discover, everything that scholars know, actually wasn't a disciple follower of Jesus. He came in when the Gentiles started coming in. And so he sat down with Jesus' mom and said, tell me your story, and wrote it down. Isn't that awesome? So we get Mary's account, too, in the book of Luke. So this guy, I mean, he's, he's smart. He's, he, he's, a, he's a doctor. He's a physician, the Bible tells us. And so he's a smart guy. Paul's got a good group of guys around him. And they try to go to a city. They try to go to an area, and it says the Holy Spirit forbid them to go. So they turn and go this way. We're going to go this way. And the Holy Spirit stopped them again. And so they went down, and they find themselves down in a town called Troas. And while they're in Troas, and, and you don't have to turn here, but Acts chapter 16, and while they're in Troas, verse 9, it says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Who did the vision appear to? The vision appeared to Paul. And like, come on, you're a good class. Who did the vision appear to? Paul. Paul, thank you very much. They can be taught. Uh, it says, a vision appeared to uh, Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, who saw the vision? How many people saw the vision? One guy saw the vision. One guy saw the vision. Paul saw the vision. He said, after he saw the vision, listen to these words. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach. Nobody else saw the vision. 
Nobody else heard the man from Macedonia. One guy saw the vision. He happened to be the guy in charge. One guy heard the guy speaking and pleading for you to come, and the rest of them said, if God spoke to him, God spoke to us. He heard, the, he heard the voice, he saw the vision, and he says, and we concluded that God had called us. Yeah. I think a successful church is one that recognize, recognizes that the pastor leader, when God speaks to him, God's speaking to all of us. Yeah. When he says, I got a vision and we're going, everybody says, well, then God called all of us to go. Yeah. Doesn't matter how smart you are, doesn't matter how educated you are. P, uh, Luke could have said, well, I'm a doctor. I know a lot more than you do, Paul. As a matter of fact, I have a personal relationship with Jesus' mom. Let me clear this with her and get a confirming word. Hmm? <laughs> Is that too strong for Sunday morning? You all okay with that? No, he, he, said, he said, that's my leader. God spoke to him. Therefore, God spoke to me. Is that okay? It's okay. That blesses the church. That helps the church move forward because it was from then when they all decided God spoke to us because God spoke to him, they all went and the gospel came to us as a result of it. It came this way because of that. And let me tell you something. I know God speaks to your, to your pastor. I know God speaks to my brother. When we were kids, we were in church service. He was eight or nine years old. I don't remember. Do you remember? He was eight or nine years old. We were in church service in our little church in Thackerville, Oklahoma. And we're there and, and we're praying and they're just having a great ministry time. And he's up there being prayed for. And, and the, the pastors are praying for him. My mom and dad are standing with him. And the pastor, pastor Roper and his wife are praying. And they're just praying along, just praying, you know, praying in the Holy Spirit. Just, just doing it like good Pentecostals do. You know, hands get heavier and you start... <laughs> Is that the Holy Ghost or my, my knees just giving out? Am I, am I just getting weak from the pressure? Uh, so the, you know, they're, they're praying for him, and, and all of a sudden his eyes pop open, and he says, God called me to preach. I'm supposed to be a pastor. Now, to tell you the truth, as his brother, I was jealous. I'm like, Lord, what am I supposed to do? And as a matter of fact, I went halfway through college going another direction when God interrupted my life, and I was like, you could have told me sooner. You told Eric when he was eight. <laughs> 21, God shows up in my life. <laughs> Maybe just hard hearing, I don't know. Uh, but you know, what? you know what, I got to thinking about this morning. I thought, you know, in that moment when God spoke to him that he was going to pastor, in that flash of a moment at eight or nine years old, God saw all of you. Yeah. Yeah. As part of the fulfillment of the promise that he made to him that he was going to pastor. Isn't that amazing? That's why we can say when God speaks to him, God's speaking to us. Because when God spoke to him, you didn't even know him at eight or nine years old, but when God spoke to him, somewhere God was speaking to all of you to get you here to this place. Amen. Amen. All right, all right. Well, I'm done with that. All right, let's get to the good stuff. We'll leave the bad stuff behind. Now, let's go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And while you're turning there, I'm going to go ahead and pray. We're just going to open our hearts to receive and to hear from the Lord and to hear his word right now. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this time that we have together to study your word. Lord, I thank you for these great people that are here. Here in the right place at the right time. Lord, I thank you that as we hear your word, burdens are being lifted. Yokes of bondage are being destroyed. Freedom is coming to your people in Jesus' name. Lord, we open our hearts according to Mark chapter 4. We open our hearts as good ground to receive the seed of your word, believing that when your seed is sown in our heart, it produces a great harvest in our lives. 
a harvest of joy, a harvest of victory, a harvest of peace, a harvest of abundance in the name of Jesus. Lord, a harvest of faith. I thank you that faith is increasing in the house this morning in Jesus' name. And because of your word, because of the power of your word and the power of your amazing Holy Spirit, I thank you that we're being transformed. And therefore, when we leave here today, we leave here never, ever to be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, I want to read this verse and then we'll get into it. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. I'm, I'm actually going to read just a few verses to you. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Some of you, many of you have probably already heard this uh, today, uh, but don't let that stop you from listening. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 says, not, not that I have already attained, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay, lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Today I want to talk to you about one thing, one thing that changes everything. One thing that changes everything. Now to be perfectly honest with you, I know that sounds like I'm about to give you some insight on one thing, and if you'll just do that one thing, everything's good. That's not what this is about. Because the truth is, as we talk, you'll know what the one thing is. I'm not here to tell you what the one thing is. I'm here to tell you there is one thing that will change everything. There's one thing that changes everything in our lives. Can I take my jacket off? I'm hot. Y'all hot? Is it just the lights? I thought it was just the lights, but... All right. One thing changes everything. One thing that changes everything. Everything. It's like um, what I would call a catalyst. You know, a catalyst, it's, it's that thing that kind of flips the switch or propels you into where you're supposed to be or what you're supposed to do. Anybody ever heard of the product uh, uh, Simple Green? Simple Green is a cleaning product, but Simple Green, the instructions of Simple Green say this, don't use the concentrated version, because if you use the concentrated version, it doesn't work as well. You would think, well, the more concentrated I get, the better it's going to work. It doesn't work that way with Simple Green, because Simple Green is a product that needs water, and it says you have to mix it with water, because water is the catalyst that releases the power of Simple Green. There is one thing in your life that is the catalyst that helps you in life, that, that causes you to release the power of your life. Yeah. It's a one thing. It could, be, it could be a bad thing. It could be a good thing. It really comes down to a decision, a choice, something that you're going to change, something that you're going to do different that's going to be this catalyst. One author called it the tipping point. That you, It becomes this transition, this shift for you that one day you're here and the next day you're walking into the fulfillment of all of your heart's desire. Yeah. It's one thing. Listen, the Apostle Paul said, I'm not saying I've got everything figured out. This is the, this is the dude that wrote three, two-thirds of the New Testament. And he said, I don't have everything figured out. And I don't know about you, but that encourages me. Don't have to have everything figured out. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He said, I don't have everything figured out, but I've got one thing figured out. And I think when we get down to that one thing, it becomes the one thing that changes everything. Changes everything in our life. I I think about about a monkey. I I, I watched this on, on television. Some of you may have heard this example, but 
But the, these African people want to catch these monkeys. And the way they catch these monkeys is they take a log, a real heavy log, and they, they drill a hole in that log, and then they put a, a lump of sugar down in that hole. And they're smart. These African guys are smart. They know how, how big to make the hole because the monkey get his hand slid down into the hole. And the whole time, the Africans are over here in the bushes. Well, you got all these pallets. You got all these pallets up here. You know, they're like this, whatever. Uh, they're, they're, they're over here. I, I assume they've got a spear. You know, and, and, and they're, they're waiting in the bushes. And this, this monkey kind of comes down. You know, he's, he lets go of the tree and he walks. <laughs> you ever notice how monkeys walk? It's like, it's, it's weird because if you, if you watch them, they'll be standing here talking to their buddy and it's totally normal. Totally normal. They're like, hey, what's up? I'm going to go over here and talk to my other friend. And then they get over here and it's like, hey, how's it going? I'm going to go back. I was like, why do you have to pick your arms in the air, you know? Just monkeys. I don't know. I don't know if y'all think thoughts like that. I do. I just think thoughts like that. And, but, but this monkey lets himself down and he, and he wanders over to the log and squeezes his hand down in that hole and grabs a hold of that lump of sugar. But once he grabs a hold of that lump of sugar, he can't get his hand out of the hole. He can pull all he wants. His hand is not coming out of that hole because he's got a hold of that lump of sugar. And these African guys, all they have to do is just stand up and walk over to the monkey and pick him up. Pick the log up, pick the monkey up, and walk away and go make stew or whatever it is that they do with the monkeys. They probably train them to do tricks first. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> they, they train them to do tricks and then they make stew. Um, but... <laughs> You know, they take the monkey. You know, the whole time the monkey, he's got a hold of this lump of sugar. These Africans are coming at him. And the whole time he's going, <laughs> you know, like this, thinking this is the problem. He thinks this is the issue. And this is the issue. If he just let go and pull his hand out, all of this would go away. Because at that moment, when he pulls his hand out, he's climbing a tree. See, fellas. I'm done. I'm out. And I just wonder how many times in life we're holding on to this lump of sugar and thinking that all of this is the problem when it's this one thing that can change everything if we'll just let go of it. Now, the Apostle Paul said, I forget those things that are behind. The qualification for the things that you would forget is, th is simply this, that they're behind you. He didn't say, I forget only the bad things. He said, I forget everything that's behind even in victory, sometimes we can camp out there too long. When there's future, there's future victory that waits, but we'll forfeit it because we think this is it. This is the end. This is, this is, this is the culmination of my life. When, let me tell you something. If your life is not over, it has not culminated yet. The Bible says it does not appear what we shall be, but when we see him, we'll be like him. That means that our growth is a lifelong process. There's never a place for us to stop and camp out. Good or bad, there's never a place for us to stop. We just have to let go, pull our hand out, and all of this changes. This one thing changes everything. It might be an insecurity. It might be an insecurity that you're holding on to. People hurt you. Now, let me tell you something. Uh, let me just speak to you as a pastor. Let me say this. I know that hurts. I know it hurts. And I, I believe I can say on behalf of the Lord Jesus, I'm sorry that that happened to you. 
God never wanted that injustice done. He never wanted that unfair treatment for you. God didn't want that. He, doesn't, he still doesn't want that for your life. But no matter how bad it hurts, all these future relationships cannot be judged by what someone did to you in the past. Because you'll miss the beauty and the joy of all these wonderful future relationships as long as you're holding on to this one thing. But when you let go of that one thing, it changes everything. Yeah. Listen, it may be, you, may be, you may be someone who's quick-tempered and you lose your temper. And it's costing you this out here. You're losing jobs and you're losing relationships. and you Let go of it. Let go of it. Listen, I know people make you mad. Who cares? I know people do things that get you stirred up. So what? Let go of it. And let it change everything else. Let it work for you. Let the one thing change everything. I uh, watched this, uh, this TV show, David Letterman show. Okay, I'm less of a Christian than you, okay? Um, <laughs> no, watching the David Letterman show, and they had a guy on there several years ago by the name of Aaron Ralston. And Aaron Ralston is a guy, you might have heard of him. He's a canyoner, trekker, hiker guy. And uh, uh, there was actually a movie made about him called 127 Hours. It recently came out about Aaron Ralston. And I remember watching Aaron Ralston on David Letterman talking about, uh, about his his event in his life. And what happened was he was out one day in Utah and in a remote area hiking by himself, which let me just say, first of all, is stupid. And he was out there by himself and just thinking he was going to go out and trek for the day and then he was going to go home. And so he, he comes to this, this crevice, this canyon thing, and he goes to jump over it. And when he does, his toe caught a boulder that was in that canyon. And when it, that happened, he tripped and fell down into the canyon. It knocked the boulder loose and the boulder's coming down on top of him. So as anybody would do, he stuck his arm up to block it, and it mashed his arm between that boulder and the wall of that canyon, but it stopped above his head. But now his arm's stuck. He pulls on his arm, pulls on it, and it's not budging. I mean, it's not coming out at all. It's stuck, stuck. He has a, a rope in his backpack, and he pulls the rope out, and he slings it over, and he's trying to you know, use leverage and pull that Boulder, it won't move, won't budge at all. And he just thinks, and he thinks, oh, I got, I got, I got a utility knife. And so he, he pulls this utility knife out and goes chipping away at that rock, but all it's doing is just making his knife dull and ruining that tool. And it's not making a difference, and his hand is still stuck. He can't get it out. And night closes in, and he's not wearing appropriate clothes to be in Utah at night. It's cold. He's freezing cold. That night passes. The next day comes and goes. The third day comes and goes. At this point, he's run out of food and he's run out of water. And he has a little video camera. He set his video camera up and began to do like last will and testament to his family, telling his family how much he loved him. He was a single guy. Because he's thinking this is it. This is over. Because of this. And five days later, or to be more exact, 127 hours later, he finds himself leaned over on the rock thinking, this is the end of my life. He's leaned over on that boulder. And in a second, he got a flash of a little boy running towards him. 
And something in him made him believe that was his own son. And when that happened, he sat up and he thought the absolute most ridiculous thought that a person could think. And that thought was, I'm going to cut my arm off. And he took that dull utility knife. I know this is gross, but just listen to me. And he began to cut away at his arm halfway down his forearm. And he cut through the muscles and he cut through the tendons and he cut through the nerves and he cut all the way around. He had a tourniquet on his arm and he cut all the way around. But his knife wasn't sharp enough to cut the bone. And if you know anything about biology, you know you have two bones in this arm. So he's trying to figure out how do I, how do I get this, how do I get disconnected? So he decides that he's going to start walking away from that. And he pulls, and he pulls, and he pulls, and bam! Yeah, it scared me too when, that, when he did it to me, uh, when I saw him do that. One of them, one of them broke. And, uh, and his body is tingling all over, and he feels like he's going to throw up, and it's just the pain that he, he never even imagined. But he's standing there thinking, if, if I wait till this feeling goes away, I won't have nerve enough to do it again. So I have to do it right now. So I began to pull, pull. And finally, that second bone broke in his arm, and he stood there free. And if you saw the movie, the look on the actor's face when he's standing there is just... The whole time I thought all of this was over, but it was just that. It was just that. I remember Jesus said, oh, I don't remember Jesus said I wasn't there. <laughs> well, I remember I was with the Lord and he was, uh, he was wearing white. He, he loved the white. Uh, you know, <laughs> I remember a scripture where Jesus said, <laughs> Jesus said, <laughs> It just takes all the steam out there, doesn't it? Uh, Jesus said, if your eye offend you, it means if what you're looking at is causing problems in your life, if what you see before you is problematic, then pluck your eye out. And if your hand offends you, cut it off. <laughs> I, can't, I, I think about the disciples. I don't know if y'all think about these kinds of things. I, I think about the disciples. I just think, what were they thinking at that moment? If your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. I can just see him going to the crowd. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a metaphor. It's just a metaphor. It's, it's, just, it's just a metaphor. It is, Lord, it is. It is a metaphor, right? No. We're not sure if it's a metaphor. We'll, we'll have to get back to you on that. <laughs> I believe what Jesus is saying is there are times in our life where one thing has us and we have to become gratuitously violent with our own selves to say, I am going to cut that off of my life. I am done. I'm pulling my hand out of the hole. I'm letting go. I'm tired of that one thing dictating everything else and now I'm letting go of that and everything in my life is about to get better. It's about to get better. But it does require some difficult things. And I remember there was a moment in my life where <clears throat> I found myself praying. And I don't know if you've ever found this. I don't want you to think I'm less of a Christian. But I found myself praying. And I, 
I don't even know if I was praying, I was just talking, wasn't really engaged, kind of at a place in my life where I was pretty ticked off with the results, you know, and I just like, can I say that in church? Okay. There's a worse word, I could have used it, but I didn't. But I just found myself frustrated in this. So I'm just praying because I'm a pastor and that's what we're supposed to do. And I, I call it kind of tromping around the throne room. You know, I'm, Lord, uh, feed all the hungry people. Uh, bring, bring peace to the world. Lord, all that stuff. And in that, I felt like the Lord just completely interrupted me. How many of you know that the Lord's kind of rude like that sometimes? <laughs> he completely interrupted me and he said, what do you want? It was almost like I could hear the frustration, like, quit bothering me, what do you want? And me in my moment of religiosity, I just said, and, I, and, I, and I'm amazed at what came out of my mouth because I don't consider myself a typically religious person, but I, I said, Lord, I, I want what you want. And so I went back at it, Lord, free Tibet, you know, whatever. I, I'm just, Lord, uh, just saying words. And, and it was, the Lord interrupted me again and said, Brandon, what do you want? And again, I found myself saying, Lord, I want what you want me to want. That was for you, Jesus. <laughs> but I find in our lives, in my life, that I have a tendency to compartmentalize. I think we all do. We have a tendency to compartmentalize our lives, and we have these rooms in our lives, and we have these places in our lives that we visit, and some we just visit, and some we hang out in. You know, we might have a, 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 a room that might be our, our, our weight room, and I, what I mean by that is like our health room. But we don't go there very much because who likes to do that? Uh, you know, but, but when, when we get a report from the doctor that says our, our cholesterol is too high and uh, high blood pressure and all this stuff, then we're like, all right, we're going to straighten this room out right now. If I'm not eating carbs, nobody is eating carbs in this house. And, you know, so it becomes this and, and our finance room is kind of like that. You know, you get the grocery reveal was how much, you know, what are you people eating? You know, and you got to budget and you straighten out and you fix and you do. And, and, and we have our personality room, which is, which that, that's typically the place where we hang out. You know, we're going to be in that room because that's where we're most comfortable. That's us being ourselves. That's us being who we really are. And we're most kind of, and that's the room that we invite people into, you know. And, we, and then we have a room like that, that I would call the impossible room. And... This room is the place where we took all those unfulfilled dreams and we stuck them in that room. And at some point in our life, we decided to chalk that up to childhood fantasy, just wishful thinking. And as the things have collected on top, it's the dust of shame and disappointment. And we let that go to that room. And in that moment when I'm praying with God and he says, Brandon, what do you want? It was as if he took me by the hand and walked me to the door of that room. And I'll tell you, that's a hard place to go even with God. And I'm standing in that room 
And there's one thing that I know is in that room. And I don't want to talk about it anymore. It's kind of where I'm in. You know, I had ministry, I had dreams. And I remember the scripture, Mark chapter 11, verse 24 says, whatsoever things you desire when you pray. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, you shall have them. And it was as if the Lord said, Brandon, what do you want in here? And I, you know, to tell you the truth, I, I found myself kind of angry. I could just see myself kick the door open and grab this thing for me off the floor and go, I want this. This is what I want. This makes me breathe. This makes me live. This keeps me up at night. This wakes me up in the morning. This is what I want. This one thing. Because I needed so many other things to change in my life, but I needed that one thing. And when we deal with ourselves in that way, I believe God's helping us to let go, to pick up, Done with this, I'm now into this. This is the life I want. Please, I want to encourage you. Go to the impossible room with God. Go, go there and grab that one thing. Pick it up. Whatsoever things you desire. Desire is the fuel. It fuels the engine room of prayer. And you got you to desire it. you got to want it. That's what I mean. you you got to get gratuitous, gratuitously violent with yourself. You have to say, enough is enough of this life. I want everything to change. So I'm going to change this one thing. I'm going to let go of this one thing. I'm going to pick this one thing up, and I'm going to see my life change. And today, my life is about to get better. And I can be honest with you. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. It's just one thing. Just one thing. Say, let go. One more. But it takes. <laughs> if your eye offends you, take it out. If your hand. This isn't over. It's just this. Go to God about it. Go to God about it. That's what I want. And God will help you even in that moment to take that dull knife. He's not leaving that just to you. But he is looking for you to make the first step to say, this is the one thing that has to change. Would you stand to your feet, please? Would you just bow your heads for a moment, please? And listen, if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ into your life, maybe, maybe, maybe there's some of us in this room that would say today, you know, I've, I don't have Christ. I don't have God in my life, and I, I want God in my life. And I, I've never prayed a prayer that's, maybe you've never prayed a prayer that sounded something like, uh, God, would you come, would you live in me? Would you be a part of my life? I have good news for you today. God wants to be a part of your life. He wants to be involved. He wants to be there with you when you have to take care of that one thing. To me, Christ is the one thing that changes everything. 
John chapter 3, verse 16 says, God loves you so much that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have, would have everlasting life. Let me sum up John 3.16 for you. John 3.16 summed up Brandon Holler's version says, God loves you. He proved he loved you by sending Jesus. Amen. Believe him. What more does he have to do to prove it? Yeah. Believe him. Good. You may say, well, I don't, I, preacher, you don't know what I've done. Don't care. And to be perfectly honest with you, neither does God. Yeah. Because the next verse says, God did not send his son to condemn you, but to save you. Yes. Listen, it's all good news today. It's all good news. So if you're here with every head bowed, if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ into your life, I'd love the opportunity to pray with you. I'm not going to, for the sake of time, I'm not going to ask you to come out of your seats. I just want to see you right where you are. If you're here and you say, I, I need Christ in my life. I've never accepted Christ and I would like to. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a minute. Because I want to also offer a couple other things. Maybe you're here and you, you found yourself off course. You know the course that you're supposed to be on. You know that path that, you've, that you, you walked at one time, but you found yourself off course, and you need a course correction. God does that too. He'll bring you back on course. Or maybe you're here, and you say, you know what? I'm so far off course, I don't even know where the course is anymore. God is amazing in his ability to start a whole brand new path. He has a wonderful reset button called Forgiveness. And in a moment, he pushed that button, and it's a whole new day. It's a fresh start. It's a new beginning. So if you're any of those three, if you say, I need to accept Christ, or I got to get a course, pardon me, a course correction, or maybe you'd say, I just need a whole new course. I just want to pray for you. And I'm just asking right at this time, just right where you're standing, nobody looking around, but just right where you're standing, if you just slip your hand in the air so I can see you. Thank you. I see your hands. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you for taking that bold step. God bless you. God bless you for having the courage to raise your hand. God bless you. Anybody else? I need that. I need that. Okay. All right. You can put your hands down. Thank you very much. Now, I'm going to ask everybody here to pray. We're going to pray one prayer that's going to kind of encompass all of these. I don't know who raised their hand for first-time commitment or rededication. It, to me, it's not important. Yeah, we're going to pray. And uh, for those of you that are, that are praying this, you raised your hand. Let me say this. We're going to all pray together. We're going to pray the same prayer. I'm going to ask everybody in here to repeat after me. You just join in, okay? However, there, this isn't a magic spell. It's not a magic potion. There's nothing really special about the words. I'm just, I just want to help you pray. But when it becomes powerful for you is when you believe what you're saying. Yes. I can't give that to you, but I've got good news. Romans says that God gave it to you. Yes. He gave you the faith to believe. You can believe. You can. And so I'm asking you to you do your part. I'll do my part to help you. And I'm just asking you to do your part and believe what we're going to say. Now, everybody here, whether you raised your hand or not, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Can you pray with me? Yeah. We're, we're almost done. Please don't get in a hurry. We're almost done. And, uh, and we're going to leave here better than how we came. Praise God. But I'm asking everybody to pray with me. Just pray loud. Pray loud. Encourage those that raised their hand. Pray boldly. Okay? Can you repeat after me? Let's, let's, let's pray together. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father. I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you, and I invite you to become a part of my life. Invade my life. Lead me 
guide me, direct me, teach me, in Jesus' name. Today, Father, I make a commitment that I will live for you all the days of my life. I believe that Jesus died and that he rose again just for me. I accept that and I receive it and I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now, can I just pray one more prayer and I'll let you go. There may be some in here today that would say, I know what the one thing is. I'm not sure if I got the courage. The Bible says when you're in need, you're to come boldly before the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Listen, I'm not asking you to identify the one thing. For some, it may be shame. For some, it may be embarrassment. doesn't matter. God's not, he's not phased by any of that. When you're, when you're embarrassed or ashamed of the one thing that you've been holding on to, it may be something so petty, but you, but you know what, you just held on to it. That's not the time to shy away from God. That's the time to go to him. Say, God, I know this is dumb. I know I, know I shouldn't be holding on to this. God, I need your help letting go. Again, would you just bow your heads? I want this to be kind of a private moment for, for you in here. If that's you, you say, I know what the one thing is, and, I, and I'm letting it go today, but I need God's help. I need God's help to let it go, to walk free and to be clean. I, I want to be free today. I want, I want this one thing to change everything in my life. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up so I can see you and pray for you? Wow, beautiful. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, you see these that raise their hands. Lord, you know exactly who they are. Your word says that you even know the number of hairs on their head. Lord, you know exactly who they are, where they are. Lord, you even already know why they raised their hand. You know what they've been holding on to, that one thing. You know. Lord, not only do you know, but you're able to help. And I ask, Father, for your help. Lord, give them courage. Give them boldness. Give them faith. Faith to let go to say, today's a new day. I'm tired of this life. I don't want this life anymore. I need everything to change, so today I'm letting go of this one thing. Again, Father, I pray for courage and boldness and faith to make that choice and make the decision and to walk free and to not pick it up again, to not hold on to it again, to let it go once and for all. Once and for all, I'm done with that. I'm done with that. Lord, I thank you that right now you are bringing courage. Right now you are bringing faith. Right now, right now freedom is coming to your people in the name of Jesus. Freedom is coming. Burden. Right now burdens are being lifted. Right now yokes of bondage are being broken off of their lives. In the name of Jesus, we're letting go, Father. We're letting go. We're committing today. We're letting go. We're letting go. We're letting go. Father, we thank you that you're helping us. Your word says, with thanksgiving, we should make our requests known to you. So, Lord, in advance of the, of the end result, in advance of the answer, Lord, we say thank you. 
Thank you for hearing us. Thank you for believing in us. Thank you for hoping in us. Thank you for, thank you for leading us. Thank you for guiding us. Thank you for helping, Lord. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you, Lord, for your participation in this process. And, Lord, we, we, we put our trust in you and our faith in you, and we let go. And right now we just cast all of our worries, all our fears, all our cares onto you, believing that you care for us. And, Lord, we thank you that the answer is on its way. doesn't matter whether we see it. doesn't matter whether we feel it. Right now, Lord, we believe and we make a declaration that today my life is changing. Today, every day from this point on is getting better. Everything is changing for my good right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, if you leave that, give the Lord a great hand clap today. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.